Let us pray. Father God, the reason why we just want to be with you and your son is because you and your son just wanted to be with us. In the Gospels, we see Jesus crossing the Sea of Galilee to go into a town that is being ravished by a man who is possessed with a legion of demons. He went all the way over there just to be with that man in order to heal and deliver that man so that that man could find himself liberated, clothed in his right mind and sitting at the feet of Jesus. He now wants to be with you because you proved that you just wanted to be with him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus came into the world because he wanted to be with us so that we could be with him. For without the shedding of his blood, there is no remission of sin. The sin that stands between men, women, and a holy God. Lord, our proper response to you wanting to be with us and dying that we might be with you is to say thank you, Jesus. You didn't have to do it, but you did. And we get to be with you. Before you sent your disciples out to minister to other people, your word says that they just sat with you for a season. They, they were with you before they went to go do for you. And some of us are so busy doing for you that we just don't spend time being with you. Lord, I'm guilty. But I thank you for another opportunity to refocus, to reset, and even to refuel, to have our minds, our hearts transformed because we're in your presence. Yes, Lord, we just want to be with you. Thank you. Now, Lord, help me to preach and teach your word to your people. Have your way in this hour. In Jesus' name, amen. As you're turning in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, and then we'll go over to 1 Corinthians 12. I want to thank God for the messenger last week and the message he proclaimed, Brother Cleon Harrison. Um, I was in Seattle, Washington, overseeing the installation of a friend of mine uh, named Russ Williams to become the pastor of Christ the King Bible Fellowship in Federal Way, Washington. But before I went to the church service, because they are two hours behind, us here with Central Time, I was able to watch the service and worship and uh, hear most of Cleon's message before I had to leave. And so I'm so thankful for him and for the word he gave. Um, also, um, our church, for those who don't know, we began in the city of Franklin. 28 years ago, we began in Franklin. And then 10 years ago, we moved to this location, which is Nashville proper. Even though we are in the Forest Hills community, this is Nashville proper. 
And, um, but many of us, like myself, we live in Franklin, Tennessee, um, just like some of you live in Antioch and some of you live in Hendersonville and Murfreesboro. We come from all over the place to worship God. Spring Hill is in the house. Um, but those of us who live in Franklin, if you have been watching the news or if you're aware, you know that there's a mayoral race going on right now as well as uh, votes for the alderman positions, certain alderman positions. So early voting has begun, and, uh, and I believe the, the actual day of voting is the 24th. But here's the point. Use your um, right, your privilege to vote in Franklin. Um, there are some people running for office who, uh, who are not good for the community. And if you don't vote, there's a strong chance that we'll have people leading in the community who don't have other people's good in mind. Um, so Franklin normally doesn't have good turnout for voting. And if that happens, if you live in Franklin and you choose not to vote, by not voting, you're basically voting for the other folks. Um, so use your right get out there and vote at Strong Tower we never tell you how to vote or who to vote for we just encourage you to do your homework and vote maybe in a sermon I'll speak prophetically on some of this stuff but that was just a little uh, little announcement to encourage you <laughs> All right. We are in a series on the Holy Spirit, and this has been a joy to be able to teach and preach about the Holy Spirit because it's made me all the more sensitive to him and to how he operates. And so today we're going to carry on in this series. But let me set it up this way by saying this. One of the most prolific duos in the history of music is Richard Rogers and Oscar Hammerstein, or Hammerstein, depending upon how you pronounce it. Better known as Rogers and Hammerstein, or Rogers and Hammerstein. These two men created several Broadway musicals in the 1940s and the 1950s. Musicals such as Oklahoma, The Sound of Music, Pacific and The King and I. Rodgers and Hammerstein came up with hit after hit after hit. One would compose the music. The other would compose the lyrics. They had that secret sauce of working together as a tandem in order to create art that blessed and impacted the community at large. But as far as The King and I is concerned, The King and I tells the story of a Welsh woman who becomes the English tutor of the King of Siam's many wives and many children. So let me say that again. A Welsh woman becomes the English tutor of the King of Siam's wives and children. And while teaching these children, this 
Welsh English woman sang the song getting to know you getting to know you and and part of the lyrics say this getting to know you getting to feel free and easy when I'm with you getting to know what you say haven't you noticed Suddenly I'm bright and breezy because of all the beautiful and new things I'm learning about you day by day. So as the teacher approached her audience, her students, who were of Asian descent, language, and culture, she was saying to them that I'm honored to teach you and I'm also learning from you. So as much as you're going to learn from me as your tutor, I am a person who loves learning, and I'm also going to learn from the children as well as the adults. You're just not going to learn my culture. I'm going to learn your culture as well. And so she says, I'm getting to know you. So when I flip this and work this for this sermon series that I've entitled Getting to Know You, it's not about the, the, the teacher singing this to the student saying, I want to get to know you because our God knows everything about us. It is us flipping it saying, Lord, we want to get to know you. We want to get to know you. So, so getting to know you, Holy Spirit, getting to feel free and easy because a lot of us are bound up and troubled. But when I am with you, Getting to know what you say. Haven't you noticed? Suddenly I'm bright and breezy because of all the beautiful and new things I'm learning about you day by day. Because the Holy Spirit is someone that many of us don't know much about. We grew up being afraid of the Holy Spirit. We grew up being terrorized by the Holy Ghost. We saw the spirit as a force or as an it, a thing, as opposed to a person with amazing power. So we've been learning who the Holy Spirit is. We've been wanting to get to know him. And we are looking at various metaphors in scripture that help us paint a picture for people who are somewhat challenged on spiritual things because we're natural people. We need the Holy Spirit to teach us about the Holy Spirit. And so God says, let me make it easy for you. Let me break it down in bite-sized pieces. Let, let me cut up your food for you so it can be edible for you. And I'm going to give you some metaphors so that you can better understand who the Holy Spirit is as a pupil, as a student, as a disciple. And so we see that the Holy Spirit is likened unto wind, in the Bible. He's likened unto fire in the Bible. The Holy Spirit is compared to oil in the Bible. So, so, so when I can get the metaphor, I can better understand how the Holy Spirit works. He, he's compared to water in the Bible. He, he's compared to a seal in the Bible. Not the seal, that, but a seal that you stamp documents with. The Holy Spirit, these various metaphors, he, he's compared to a dove when Jesus is baptized and the Holy Spirit comes down like a dove 
on Jesus. That's a simile or a metaphor. He's also likened unto wine. Don't be drunk with wine, which leads to dissipation. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit because what wine can do to a natural person is what the Holy Spirit can do to someone who's a spiritual person who submits to the Holy Spirit of God. All these metaphors so that we can get to know him a little bit better. And today the metaphor I want to break down is the metaphor of a gift or the gift, my God. So let's talk today about the presence of the Holy Spirit, the presence P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S, the presence, not the presence with the C, but dig it though. As you roll in the presence, you're going to understand the presence. Somebody help me out a little bit. His presence reminds us and shows us and reveals to us the presence, the gifts that he's given to us. So we'll see two things, the saving gift of the Holy Spirit. The saving gift of the Holy Spirit. And then secondly, we'll see the spiritual gifts of the Holy Spirit. You see, when you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, you receive salvation. We'll show that in a moment from Scripture. And when you and I discover our spiritual gifts, listen to this. We discover our purpose. When you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive salvation. When you discover your gifts, you discover your purpose or the why that you are here. God created you for a reason. He, he, he uniquely made you and he uniquely gifted you and he uniquely placed you in a certain place and time for a reason. There are things you have that other people do not have. You, you realize your purpose when you realize your giftings. Dr. Evans put it this way. He says, when you became a Christian, God was not finished with you. He was just getting started. So some of us say, okay, I got my fire insurance. I prayed this prayer. I'm not going to hell. No, no, no. Praying the quote unquote prayer is the beginning of your journey with Jesus. Because if God just wanted to save you and take you to heaven, he'd have took you to heaven when you prayed the prayer to ask Jesus into your life. But he left you here and he gifted you while here in order to make a difference so that people can say, I want to know the Lord so that I can go up there and live like him down here. Number one, the saving gift of the Holy Spirit. Ah, uh, yes. Acts chapter 2 verse 38, a verse that has caused much division and debate in the body of Christ, a verse that has been dissected and parceled by so many preachers and theologians. Uh, they, they, they started cleaning this verse like it was a piece of chicken. They, they, they picked at it and ate it. But when the plain sense makes sense, seek no other sense. Just let the word speak. Acts 2.38. This is on the day of Pentecost. Then Peter said to them, repent. And there's a comma after repent, okay? Repent, which means to turn. Change your mind about, in this case, what you think and believe about Yeshua HaMashiach. 
about Jesus the Christ. Repent. Change your mind about him. Change your mind about him. Stop moving away from him and turn and move towards him. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive, here it is, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent. Come to Jesus as you are. Change your mind about him. See him as Lord. See him as risen. See him as king. And hopefully see him as your savior. Repent, which speaks of belief. Get baptized, which is proof of belief. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. My God, thank you. You see, the word gift here is a Greek word, doria. Doria. That's what the word gift is in the Greek, doria. And a doria, or a doron in Greek, is a present, specifically a sacrificial offering. That's what a gift is, Doria or Doron in the Greek. And when I was a young Bible student in college and I was learning Greek for the first time, and you would walk around with all your cards with the Greek words written on them and with the definition on the back, and you have your friends quiz you, what does this word mean? And you, you have to answer it, and they flip it over and say, you either got it right or you got it wrong. And I have a stack of these cards. And I remember as I was learning Greek and I came across this word gift, back in college, and I saw that it was Doria. Y'all know that Doria sounds a whole lot like Dorina. Oh my God, my God. She, she's in Chattanooga this morning, but I gotta just stop and say, thank God for the gift. Y'all don't hear me, y'all don't hear me. Cause her name, Dorina, means gift. And when I discovered that, oh Lord, thank you, Jesus, you gave me a gift. Just a couple of times, I wanted to give the gift back to God, but, 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 but for the most part, I said, Lord, thank you for my Dorina. So in the Hebrew culture, it was a present, specifically a sacrificial offering. And in our culture, a gift is something precious that someone gives you for free. So you got to watch these folks that want to offer you a free something, but there are strings attached. They want to get you in the door with free, and then they got a hook back there to get you. No, 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 no. A gift is something precious that someone gives you for free. The giver paid for the gift. The recipient did not. A gift cannot be earned. It can only be received. It can only be received. A gift is a thoughtful and tangible expression from the giver to bless the life of the recipient. A gift can meet a need as well as bring delight to a person you love. A gift. Gifts are usually unexpected and overwhelming for the recipient, usually bringing tears of joy and a desire for reciprocity. But in our culture today, people aren't surprised by gifts. They have an expectation and an entitlement for gifts. And then when they get the gift, don't expect 
something good in return. Don't respect even a thank you card because people feel like you owed me this. But salvation is God's precious gift that he gives to sinners for free. Why? Because somebody else paid for it. Can I help you? Ephesians 2, 8, 4, it is by grace, which is unearned favor, that you are saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. So by works, no one will boast. You're not going to boast about this gift. All you could do is receive this gift by faith. God originated this gift to give it to sinners. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus paid our sin debt in full. The recipients did not pay and could not pay for our sin debt. The gift of eternal life cannot be earned, it can only be received. The gift of salvation is a thoughtful and tangible expression of God to bless the life of the sinner. The gift of salvation meets our greatest need, and that is to have a relationship with God, to be forgiven, to be loved by God. And this gift also brings us great delight because Jesus says, I not only came to bring you life, but life more abundant. Lee. Not just eternal life going to heaven, but abundant life here in the nasty here and now. Thank you, God, for the gift. The gift of salvation was unexpected and overwhelming because while we were yet sinners, Romans 5, 8, Jesus died for us. God did not wait for us to get ourselves together because we could not and would not get ourselves together. So he initiated this relationship and Jesus died while we were still sinners and lost. He gave the gift, but the question is, have you received the precious gift of salvation? And when you receive Jesus, the Bible says in John 1, 11, that Jesus came to his own, but his own did not receive him. Verse 12 of John 1, but to as many as received him. To those who believed in his name, to them he gave the right to become children of God. We have a choice to receive the gift. We have a choice to receive Jesus because to receive Jesus is to receive the Holy Spirit. You don't get Jesus and then get the Holy Spirit later. No, the two of them are inseparable. They are a package deal. As a matter of fact, Jesus even says, when I come to you, my father is coming as well. So we get all of God when we receive Jesus into our lives. It's a mystery, but it's true. Have you received the gift of salvation, the gift of eternal life, the gift of Jesus, the gift of the Holy Spirit? Ah, I can testify. I can bear witness. He found me. I didn't technically find him. He found me in 1984. I was at a church camp around church people. I was churchy, but I wasn't a Christian. I went to camp looking for girls, 15 years old. I was a walking hormone, I, <laughs> testosterone everywhere. I just, girls, girls, girls. And they double-crossed us at this camp. 
and they separated the guys from the girls. So I'm in class paying attention because there aren't any girls in there to distract a brother. And that's when I heard the gospel. I've always heard it, but I never got it. But that's when the Holy Spirit allowed me to get it because I never knew why Jesus died on the cross. I never understood it. But when Deacon Milton Worley broke down Isaiah chapter 53, all we like sheep have gone astray and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's when it hit me. He died for my junk. He died on the cross because he loves me. He was crushed that I might be forgiven. The gospel <sighs> shook me up that week. And on that week, that Friday night, I made a commitment to Jesus because he made a commitment to me. I received Jesus and, and there was this fire. I felt a fire in my chest. I never felt this before. And I went home. I knew something had happened to me. I didn't know exactly what had happened to me when I, we left the hills of Maryland, came back into the city, into the county. Something happened to me. I could not have written the book of Romans or explained the exegesis behind the book of Hosea, but I knew something had happened to me. I was not the same person. And I felt again this fire in my bosom, in my soul. And I came home and I told my parents in our living room that I had given my life to Jesus. And they rejoiced with me. But because I didn't grow in that love relationship, I, I got it started with him. I went right on back out doing the things that a teenager does. But, but now I'm doing them and I just can't get away with it like I used to just get away with it. So, Lord, I'm sorry. I go back to church Sunday and pray that prayer again just to make sure. So I'm on this like a hamster on a wheel. I'm tripping. I'm bugging. I'm not growing as a disciple. I'm not growing in my love relationship with God. And we'll talk in a couple of weeks how you can grieve the Holy Spirit. How we can quench the fire of the Holy Spirit by putting on it the water of worldly ways. On him the, wa the water of worldly ways. Oh, my God. I, I hope you hang around. I hope you hang around. But 1 Corinthians chapter 12 now. 1 Corinthians, because now i got to get into the spiritual gifts of the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit, which is the gift of salvation. When we repent, when we believe in Jesus, we receive the gift. The Holy Spirit in the book of Romans is called the Spirit of Christ. So when I receive Christ, I receive the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the one who came to bring glory to Christ. My God, thank you, Jesus, for indwelling this broken vessel. You know how the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that we have this treasure of the Holy Spirit, but he dwells in jars of clay. He dwells in broken vessels. My God. And he's transforming us every day from glory to glory to glory to look like Jesus. So we look more like Jesus today than we did yesterday, even if we don't feel like it. We're walking with him. We're even learning from our mistakes, which we make every day. And those things are lessons for us so that we can teach transgressors your ways and even ourselves. I'm growing in spiritual maturity with and through the Holy Spirit. But now, spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts. 
When you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, salvation is accomplished. And when he comes into our lives, he brings with him spiritual gifts. Are you hearing me? He brings spiritual gifts. The Holy Spirit is the gift who keeps on giving. The Holy Spirit is the gift who keeps on giving. Yes, he gives love. Let, yes, he gives joy and peace and hope and encouragement. And yes, he teaches us. And he is so much more than that. Yes, he ministers to us internally. But he wants to minister through us externally through others who need to know of the love of God. And this is why God gives each one of his children at least one spiritual gift. So if you are a Christian, you have at least one spiritual gift. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. As Paul is writing to this church, he says, now concerning spiritual gifts, stop and pause. Many times when Paul would write these letters, he's answering questions that they sent to him. And so now he's getting to a portion of his letter to the church at Corinth where he's going to answer their questions about spiritual gifts. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. <laughs> and just like Paul didn't want that church to be ignorant, I don't want this church to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. But I'm afraid that we haven't done a good job teaching about the spiritual gifts for God's people to be educated concerning them. But if you're here today, man, we're on the right path. Then verse four, Paul says to them, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. Amen. So we all have different gifts, but the same spirit of God. Again, this is elementary stuff, but we need to go back to elementary school from time to time. Verse 7, but the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So if you have Jesus in your life, you have the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes into your life, he brings spiritual gifts to each person for the manifestation or the edification of all, the profit of all. So he gave you something for somebody else. And he gave somebody else something for you. Which is why we have to work together and worship together and pray together in the body of Christ because I need your gifting and you need mine. You cannot function as a believer by yourself because you don't have all of the gifts by yourself. And that would be foolish to try and be a growing Christian by yourself. Can't happen. Wasn't meant to be that way. So what is a spiritual gift that Paul doesn't want us, in the words of Pastor Walter, to be ignorant about? A spiritual gift is a specific enablement. It's an enablement, an enablement that comes from God. And this enablement allows you to edify others, which means to build up other people and to glorify God through your gifting, not yourself. 
And when you operate in your spiritual gift, you satisfy your own soul because you know you're walking in the will of God. So let me run it back and say it one more again. A spiritual gift is a specific enablement from God that allows you to edify others, glorify God, and satisfy your soul. In that order. But I got to throw another in there too because I, I like rhymes. Spiritual gift is this divine enablement, this divine empowerment that allows us to edify others, glorify God, satisfy ourselves, and horrify the devil. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Edify, glorify, satisfy, horrify. So when you're walking in your gift, you're walking in your purpose, and you have a bullseye on your back. But if God before you, who can be against you? Matter of fact, we expect adversity because we're walking in our spiritual gifting, which means the gates of hell are being pushed back through the local church. So Satan will shoot at us to which God allows and even directs certain arrows to come and not come near us. But for those of us not using our gifts, you're not getting shot at because you're no threat. You see, we grow spiritually to the degree we utilize our spiritual gifts. You grow spiritually when you use your gifts. If you use your gift, you will grow. If you don't use your gift, you will shrink. Yeah, you're saved, but you're not growing because God gave you a gift to use, not a gift to sit on. And some of us are sitting on our gifts because we don't even know what gifts we have. I'm going to help you today. I'm going to help you. There's a thing called atrophy. Atrophy. If you get into an accident and you, you hurt one of your legs or something, then uh, Pastor Jerry, I don't know why you came to my mind. You didn't get in an accident, but you had a knee surgery. Y'all keep praying for your pastor now. He moved a little bit better. He's moving a little bit better. But he'll tell you now. They had to work that new reconstructed knee out. They had to stretch it. They had to bend it because they didn't want the muscles around the knee to atrophy. In other words, grow flimsy because they're not being used. Atrophy happens when you have muscles that are not being used, which is why after surgery, if possible, they want to stand you up and get you walking as soon as possible because they don't want you to lay there too long and your muscles lose development, lose power, all of that. So they got to get you up and get you walking. Some of us have spiritual atrophy. The muscles are there, we're just not using them. The gifts are there, we're just not using the spiritual gifts that God has given us. The reason why I have an electric mower now, because, man, I was going hard with a gasoline mower for a long time, man, but I'm not like that technical dude that understands engines and stuff. I'm the plug-in kind of guy. That's who I is. And so I had to get rid of my gas more because 
every off-season, I had to take it to the lawnmower man, you know, after the off-season, before the lawn-cutting season, because I fooled around, left gasoline in the lawnmower during the off-season. And you know what happens when you leave gas in a lawnmower during an off-season? Is that it atrophies in the uh, uh, engine, and it causes the thing not to work anymore. So now I got to take it to a professional who will take the old gas out, clean out the system, charge me about $75 to do that, when all I had to do was not put gas in there on the last cut or make sure all the gas was emptied out on the last cut. But no, I leave gas in there during the off season. Then when the grass starts coming, time to cut, I'm pulling the chain, nothing happened. I'm pulling the chain, nothing happened. My, my lawnmower is like, bro, we got atrophy. You know why? Because gas is not meant to sit. Gas is meant to burn and to be used. A lot of us, our gifts have been sitting. And Paul had to come and tell Timothy, stir up the gift that is in you, which came through the laying on of my hand. Because fear let the fire go out in your walk, Timothy. Fan into flame the gift you have. You, you ever seen a fireplace start going down low? Well, in order to get it to, to be robust again, you got to fan it, get some oxygen on it. And, and he's saying to Timothy, man, your fire is going out. The gift is sinking in your life because of fear. But man, stir up the gift, fan into flame the gift that God has put in you. And I stopped by here today to say to you, Strong Tower Bible Church, that God wants you to flan the flame. He wants you to stir up the gift. You ever had Kool-Aid? I don't drink it no more, but we used to make it growing up. Put half a ton of sugar. You can't drink it unless you stir it up. God is saying stir it up. Stir it up. So if I were to ask you, what are your spiritual gifts? Can you answer that question? What good is having a spiritual gift if we don't know what it is? And the spiritual gifts are found primarily in Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4, and 1 Peter chapter 4. That's how I remember it, 12, 12, 4, 4. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4. Primarily, you'll find the spiritual gifts there. And I believe that when Peter and Paul are giving us the spiritual gifts in the New Testament, that this is not an, a finalized, all-inclusive list. Because you see some gifts operating in the Old Testament, which I'll talk about here in a moment, which also came from the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit didn't just wait for the day of Pentecost to start ministering to God's people. He was ministering under what is called the Old Covenant, the Old Testament. He was still ministering. But the gifts, they're broken up into three categories. Again, I don't believe it's an exhaustive list, but I think this helps. You have, number one, the serving gifts. Okay? So, so, so pay attention to this. You have serving gifts. What are those, Pastor? Well, based on Scripture, they are administration. People in the body of Christ who just has the ability to administer. Uh, craftsmanship, people who love to build things with their hands. That comes from 
the book of Exodus, chapter 31, verses 1 through 5, where the first people in the Bible mentioned as being filled with the Holy Spirit were the artisans who constructed the tabernacle. They needed to be filled with the Spirit in order to build God's tabernacle. So there are artists, people who work well with their hands. It's a spiritual gift. It goes beyond a talent. A talent is what you're born with. A spiritual gift is what you're born again with. Then there's encouragement. That's a serving gift. People who know how to come alongside of other people and encourage them. They, they just have a gift to do that. Then there's the gift of faith, that they can serve a community because of their faith in God. And yeah, I know we all are supposed to have faith, but there are people with the gift of faith. They don't shake, budge, or move for nothing. Where'd that come from? The Holy Spirit. Then there's the serving gift of giving. Yeah, all Christians are supposed to give, and we should. But some of us been knowing Jesus for a long time, and we still stingy, tight, <laughs> earth. And we, we, mm, no, we need some extra help. Uh, we need some extra finances. Mm -mm, no, don't even think. Don't look this way, Pastor. <laughs> but there are people with the gift of giving. And most of the people that I know with the gift of giving, they are tight with their money. They're good stewards. Let me say it that way. Gary Bell, they're good stewards. <laughs> they're frugal, a word Gary taught me. But they will give you the coat off their back. They will give you, and it will be a gift, man, that will blow your mind. People with the gift of giving. Then there's the gift of helps or ministry. People don't want to pat on the back. People don't want to be seen. They just help. They just do. They just minister. They just serve. Then there's hospitality. People just love serving people in their house. Then you got other folk in the body of Christ. They don't want nobody over their house. You don't have the gift. You don't have the gift. There are people with this gift. They love to serve at the church and make sure people are taken care of and all that. Then there's the gift of intercession. Leadership. Pastor, leadership. Yeah, servant leadership. That's how Jesus led, by serving. And man, there are people with the gift of leadership, not dictatorship, but servant leadership. And then there's mercy. These are folks you want to show up when you're in the hospital. You don't want a prophet to come to you in the hospital. <laughs> prophet gonna say, what'd you do to get into this situation? <laughs> now there's a time to ask that, but not when you all up in there with stuff attached to you. And, Beep, beep, beep. What did you do, my brother? <laughs> you need people with mercy, man. Thank you, Jesus. Then there are the speaking gifts. Evangelism. The gift of knowledge, where people just have knowledge. And some of them didn't go to school, like higher learning. The, the, the Spirit teaches them things from God. And we've got to stop being prejudiced against people who didn't go to seminary as if seminary is the only way to learn about God. Now, grandma would sit on the porch, third grade education, but she had some knowledge about God and how things work. Knowledge is a gift from God. Then there's prophecy. And in this case, telling the truth. 
telling the truth. Then there's shepherding, which is feeding God's people, leading God's people. Then there's the spiritual gift of teaching, explaining the truth. And then there's wisdom, people with the gift of wisdom. They just speak, and it's like Solomon. It's like, wow, that came from God. And then there are the sign gifts, apostleship. Apostles were able to do signs, miracles, and wonders. Then discerning of spirits, where you, you, you kind of know what's going on. Like you walk into a room, and somebody's talking, and you're like, and the danger about all of these gifts, each strength can also be a weakness. Because with discernment, you're judging a situation. But in your own strength, you're going to judge people and condemn people. You, you can get self-righteous when you have these kind of gifts, these, these sign gifts. You just discern. Something not right up in here. Let's go home. Let's leave. Oop, get your bag. Let's go. You discern. Something is going on. That's a sign gift. Healing. Interpretation of tongues. Somebody speaks in a heavenly language, an unknown language. Someone with the gift is able to get up and interpret what was said. And then there are miracles, prophecy, which speaks of telling the future. That's a prophetic gift to tell the future. And then there are tongues, tongues, speaking in other languages. Now, these are the gifts by way of category. Serving gifts, speaking gifts, sign gifts. I wish I had time to tell you what was going on in Corinth. All the mess that was happening there and how the church was clamoring towards the sign gifts. Even if God didn't give them the gift and they were running away from the serving gifts, the greater gifts in the body that you can't see, the internal organs, the heart, the lungs, and all that stuff, the spine. They weren't running after that stuff. They were running after the showy stuff on stage. And because of that, there was confusion in that church. I wish I had time to go there, but I need you to notice that there are no spiritual gifts called pew-sitting. That ain't in there. That, 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 that. Somebody said, I thought I had that gift. I thought I, I don't do anything in this church but come and sit. What, what about the gift of listening to a sermon and critiquing it? Is that in? It got to be over there in second hesitations. Yeah, I got the gift. Now on the church's website, there is a spiritual gift assessment. If you don't know what your gift is, there's an assessment that has a variety of questions on it that as you answer the questions, you come out at the end of it and it kind of gives you an idea of where your spiritual gifting might be. I believe we have a foremost gift and we may have multiple other gifts, but, but there's usually one or two that we have, and this assessment will help you understand. And, and, and watch this too. Being in community with other believers, they will tell you what they sense and believe your gift to be. Somebody said they wanted to be a preacher, and they wanted to, and then when they get up and preach, it's like, oh, wait a minute, you might not have that gift. <laughs> wait a minute, now hold on, hold on. You, I don't think you got it. That's why in the black church, we have a trial sermon. Because you might not pass. Them old deacons in the back, if they, don't, hey, if they ain't giving you no amens and support, you might not have the gift. 
I ain't lying. So go to the website, man. Take that assessment. If you don't know, it will help you. Get in community with other believers and say, what gift do you think I have? And somebody will say, you're such an encourager. You're always showing up to serve and to help. You don't want any fanfare pageantry. You just serve. Uh, uh, wow, the way you teach the word of God, there's a gift. There's divine enablement upon you. Because when you know your gift, you now know your purpose. A lot of us are floundering around trying to figure out what we're supposed to do in life because we haven't discovered our spiritual gifting. Now, this, this doesn't mean everybody's supposed to be called into the ministry, uh, official ministry or, 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 or whatever ministry like, like me. But man, learning your gift will help you out in the marketplace. Your teaching gift will help you in the marketplace. Your evangelism gift will help you in the marketplace. Your discernment will help you in the marketplace. All these things, my God, he's so good. Well, the Holy Spirit is the gift who keeps on giving. When you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, you receive salvation. When you discover your spiritual gifts, you discover your purpose. Well, as we leave church today, what if I told you that Lowe's was not only having a sale, the hardware place, but they were giving away free shovels. I told you, Lowe's giving away free shovels. No strings attached. And all you got to do is go to Lowe's and get your free shovel. Now notice, you, you've got a round shovel. You got a square shovel. The shovels do different things. You, you got a spade shovel. You got a drain spade shovel. And I pictured here is a snow shovel. They're all shovels, but they have different functions and even designs from the same maker. Y'all see where I'm going? Uh, uh, they free, they free. Go get your free shovel. But what good is there being free shovels, but you won't go and receive them. What good is having free shovels if you go and receive the free gift, but you don't use the free gift? So when it starts snowing, you just let your walkway just pile up. And folks slipping and falling on your sideway lawsuit, use your shovel, man. Or... Don't try to use a snow shovel to do gardening stuff. That's somebody else's gift. The reason why it ain't working because you're supposed to be over here with your gift. Stop being over in somebody else's business trying to put a common shovel into this. No, man. Strong Tower. He gave you more than a free shovel. The gift of eternal life is free because Jesus paid for it. And with the Holy Spirit comes different gifts on each one of us. That when we use them, when we use them, when we use them, when we use them, the body is edified. God is glorified. We are satisfied. And who is horrified? Who's horrified? Let's stand on our feet. Don't forget to go to the website now. Go to the website. Take the assessment. Because if I ask you what's your gift, don't look like a deer in headlights. 
Maybe next Sunday I'll have some of y'all come up here and say, no, I won't do that because y'all won't come if I say I'm going to do that. <laughs> Let's pray. God, thank you for how you do what you do. Lord, this is about you and your kingdom and not about us and our comfort. This is about your glory going on in the earth and not about a name for ourselves. We're, we're servants of the Most High God. And we're delighted to be invited in, oh God, into your family. Thank you for Jesus redeeming us, buying us, purchasing us out of the slave market of sin, and not only bringing us into the body, but distributing gifts to each one of us. And to some, he gave this gift, and to some, he gave that gift. But you made sure all of us have a gift. And Jesus, the Holy Spirit compels us to not only know our gifts, but to use our gifts. Lord, Strong Tower can operate on all cylinders when we understand how each one of us are gifted and how we're to use it. But Lord, may we not throw a rod because we're operating on a few cylinders when we ought to be operating on all of them. Help us to come together under you Lord, not only to bring you glory, but to bring our own self-satisfaction. Some of us are miserable, and one of the ways we can get out of being miserable is by serving somebody else. Lord, I pray for a revival in Strong Tower in the name of Jesus that comes as a result of us learning our gifts and utilizing them in this body, in the community, and as Josh said, around the world, a revival in the church. Do it, please. We love you so much. We thank you for the word. May it not fall on deaf ears, but may it produce fruit, some 30, 60, and 100 fold. Now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before his throne with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both now, right now, and forevermore in all of God's gifted people said. Amen. Amen. Give Jesus a hand praise. Pastor G. Uh-oh. Just need your attention for, for a minute. Um, we have some uh, flying insects that aren't saved outside, and they reside in the lawn just about over here. So when you leave, please don't go on the lawn. We had some of our young kids get stung this morning from those bees, so please be careful as you leave. And I want to throw one more thing in. Uh, we have our food pantry today, but because it is spring break, fall break, there are a lot of folks that are out, and we need a lot of folks to help today down the fellowship hall. So if you can have a few minutes, and if some of you can also help deliver food today, we'd love to have that. So if you come on down to the fellowship hall, we'd love to help you, have you. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Some of y'all stay here, the rest of y'all get out of here. <laughs> <laughs>